And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Alicia, who had a near-death experience after being a victim of a crime, and today we're going to learn about it. Alicia, thank you so much for being my guest, and welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. If you don't mind, can we start on the day that it happened and go from there? Sure. Um, so I went uh, to an ex-boyfriend's house after work. He had called me on my phone while I was um, leaving work and invited me over for beer. And so I sat outside on my car. He came out to meet me when I got there and we had a beer. He it was a good conversation, you know. Um, and so he invited me in and we went inside and had another beer. I was in the kitchen in his, our old apartment um, and he had leaned down to give me a kiss over the sink where I was at, where I had just finished my second beer. And um, he leaned down and gave me a kiss, and I didn't do anything to insinuate, you know, it was kissing time. He just came over and gave me a kiss, and I thought it was really sweet of him. Um, he pulled away from the kiss, kind of enraged, and yelled out, why this love, this hate? And he pulled my arms up with, he was a big guy. He pulled my arms up over me and dragged me into the living room. And he had a dagger laying on the counter in the kitchen. It was like a connected living room and connected kitchen. And so he had grabbed it off the counter and in the living room, he stabbed me. It took all of less than a minute for, I tried to fight him of course, and I wasn't able to get away. Um, the, I didn't realize I was stabbed. It was just really hot and I still felt, you know, imp you know, I couldn't move, but out of the corner of my left eye, I saw the dagger and the dagger, the blade was just covered in my blood. And that's when I knew that he stabbed me and I looked up and I said, Oh dear God, please help me. I got, you know, I was stabbed. And then I blacked out. Um, but when I woke up again, I was in the bathtub and he had instructed me to take my clothes off and he was trying to take my clothes off. So I lifted my butt in, he pulled my pants off and then he's just washing the blood off of me. He put the dagger under my chin and told me not to die. And he called his brother to let him know that he had stabbed me. And so I had blacked out again at that point after that. When I woke up again, um, it was a different kind of awake. I wasn't really aware where I could see. Everything was dark and black, but um, I was a little bit aware of where I was at. And so it felt, you know, I knew the EMTs had me in the back of their, uh, I guess, truck. And the guys who had gotten uh, to the call had been talking to themselves about a story that they had had been talking about before they got my call. And it really put me off. And I felt like they were really unconcerned that I had been stabbed and didn't, they weren't like, you know, <laughs> talking to me at all. 
just continue their conversation. And so I just felt like I didn't want to be around them or there and I was going to just go. And then I heard that someone say that her pressure is dropping. And to me, that's when I felt like my NDE really fully began. Um, let's see, it was really dark and I was um, in a bed and a dark room. Um, I could feel things outside the room, outside the door and kind of hear movement. Um, I was just aware a little bit, but it was never any lights on, no nurses coming in. I was just waiting in a dark room for a long time. I could hear the door open a couple times and feel like presence or people coming in and they had stayed in with me. And as the time passed, I could feel the darkness or their presence more like, you know, like a person, like a being or a shadow. And so as time went on, they were became people. And two guys were in my room with me in the hospital room. And one of them didn't um, have a shirt on. He was uh, tall with... Uh, long hair and the other guy was shorter you know i could make out that he was a little bulkier and um he stayed off in the corners always on the other side um but i did feel the movement from them and i could feel uh just their presence because i wasn't always in consciousness and it wasn't me just always watching them you know i was um I was just incapacitated in this bed. And um, the long haired guy had come up and sat next to me while I was waiting in this bed. And I could feel his presence and everything, even though I'm not turning to like look at him or talk to him or make eye contact because I really was incapacitated. And he stretches out his arm to me and um, there's a cigarette that's lit uh, and I could see it coming in my, my vision and the cigarette sitting up on his claws that he had metal claws for hands um, sharp, you know, those were very distinct. And then it was a part of him. It was just a part of who he was, I guess. And I took the cigarette from him and I remember smoking the cigarette in the hospital and remember thinking, I don't even know where I'm going to ash this. I can't, you know, I don't, there's no ashtrays in hospitals wondering if someone's going to come in because they even smell smoke um, and not knowing even where I was going to put it out. But I was kind of in and out of this consciousness. So I had smoked the cigarette, but then it was, I was out again at that point. And um so I'd come back to at another time and this person or being had constructed many dozen steel rods or iron rods. I'm not sure what metal rod this was because it was all one piece. They were all the same and they're all really super long, like to the extent of the room. Um, and they were all pointed directly at me all over. And it was just chaos, disorder, just spears, sharp ones. And there was one that was the center right in the middle of my head. 
in my forehead, you know, and I couldn't move at all. I couldn't turn my head at all because it was so sharp it would have pierced me. And I was terrified. I was completely frozen with fear and wondering, you know, what's going to happen to me. Um, I definitely felt imprisonated. Um, I felt um, tormented emotionally, I guess. I mean, physically, I don't, I couldn't move, you know, even if I wanted to, I was so afraid. Um, I just, that was just what I experienced. Um, so I kept going out um, to unconsciousness where it was just dark and had come to where I was no longer in the hospital room or even in the hospital bed, even though I was still, I had me, uh, my being, I was um, lower uh, under or deeper in the darkness and was in a different place. And this place was a very big place. It was very open. Um, everything was all one piece constructed what to me looked like cement. Just everything was just one piece. You know, it's impossible to construct cement structures with just one piece, but this entire place was. And it had big open rooms. And it was also divided with walls and corridors. And it was really, really uh, amazingly huge. Uh, I like to put you in the mindset of MC Etcher, where you look at a picture of his where the staircases are going in and out. And it's just really overwhelming. And I know that's not a real image. And, but if you can get that feeling, that is to me similar of what I experienced when I was in this place. It was really overwhelming and it didn't make sense. And um, it was just, there was lots of places to go. And I was immobile and I was just, I remember being or laying in this big open cement room and the person or being who had been sitting next to my chair in the hospital was there and his buddy was gone at this point that I knew of. And it was just him and me and he had come up. Um, I could feel him get up and see him get up and the felt like a very demonic being was there instead of just a person with no shirt on and long hair. This being now had like no hair and he was white and skinny and lanky thin, I guess. He had his claw hand that was like that and wouldn't move, but it was attached to his arm. His left, no, his, yeah, his left arm was the swords. He had three swords attached, so it was no longer his arm, but they could move and be a part of him and like his weapons. There were three of them, but they followed each other and moved with him and they were long like swords. Um, his mouth also had blades similar to his claws, but they were different, but they were metal and sharp and his mouth opened really big and it was dark inside and his eyes are really big and on the top in the middle of his forehead was an erect and the image was very intimidating and he just, I could feel his intent. He just came at me where I was at. And at that point we had fought. Uh, 
I guess it was just fought with my intent, but it did feel physical. I could feel him, but I couldn't tell you like where it was rolling. It was just so intense, like a big wrestling fight, a grappling. Um, I did grab his swords, even trying to keep him from wrapping them around me. And even though I knew they were sharp and cutting me, I was still going to fight. And, um, it was just a lot of energy and really fast. Um, didn't, I couldn't hurt him to me, no matter how much pressure I put on him, like it felt bendy, squishy, very, I couldn't, I had no impact on him in the fight, but I just, my intent was just not to stop. And at one point he had me in a hold where he had, I was my back against his chest and he had me done. I was just, I was wrapped up in him and I could no longer do anything. But at that point, even I still went and stopped fighting and I pushed my heels into the ground and just pushed all my weight back and trying to offset him somehow um, was really the only move I had. And he sunk his metal teeth in the back of my head, right in the base where I was pushing and I could feel that and still it wouldn't deter me to stop fighting um, regardless of the fact that I just couldn't win. Um, but at that point he had become blind and somehow lost his vision, lost his sight and he had become enraged and he, I could feel him, you know, I was released and he had, scrambled around this open room, you know, and I could feel him up against the far ends where the walls were and just enraged that he could no longer see. Um, but I was exhausted. I could just lay there and um, not move. And I remember looking up, way up, you know, because everything in this place is just really big. <laughs> but it was still there and it was just this like a uh, street grate. Um, and instead of looking down through a street grate that you would, I was down at the very bottom looking straight up at it and through it, I could see uh, lots of like a dozen or so of these real small, like black soul like creatures. They were just beings um, very dark and there were many of them and I could just feel them looking down at me through the grate and watching what I guess this battle, this fight that I had uh, with this demon and um, there was nothing that they did or no movement. They just were witnessing, just watching. And then I felt my head turn over and it was like a slow turn. It was a heavy turn and you could just feel my head turn over and I look um, at the other side of the room and there's um, the steps that go up into a stairwell kind of design kind of shape with large big steps like and they just went up and there's a little light at the top just shining through so I could just see and down uh, one step at a time I could see a child come down um, and he stopped all the way at the bottom and he just came out a few steps and just looked at me and he was a small boy with blonde hair. I can make him out. He had soft 
like cotton, like white, uh, soft clothes. That was just also one piece, you know, a shirt, like jammies, I guess, a pants and a long, long sleeve shirt. And, um, he had no like fear, you know, he wasn't like alarmed that he was there. He just, uh, saw me laying there. Um, and I just knew that he was going to help me, that he was going to be able somehow to help me. And so he turned around at that point and went back up the staircase. And, um, again, I was just immobilized. I was just tired and exhausted and just could lay there. I could feel the cement and the openness of the room and time passed and I had gotten up and walked over to what was like a half cement wall where you could lean down and look over. And again, you could feel it and it was big. And I look over and down and there's another huge open room with just corridors and just, um, just massive uh, continuation that I could see of this place. Um, like if I were to jump down off it, I would have fallen and fallen and fallen. It was just a massive, but still I can make out what I saw and on a corridor that was going through and the end of the area, it was a big, huge open, you know, real ancient looking, real big open, um, archway, I guess. And there was a corridor that you could only walk on a corridor. If you were to get off of it, you'd fall down into the openness of this place. So it was the only way you can go there. And on it was a metal cart on wheels, you know, and there was a man, old looking man, I guess I could just see his back. He had on like old leather apron, I guess. Lived and worked in hell, I don't know. And he was pushing this cart and on the cart was the demon that I had fought. And he had been cut in half from, I guess, like his navel down. He was just his upper torso. He had been removed of his weapon, so he no longer had his blades on his hand, and he no longer had his swords on his arm. And his teeth, the metal teeth were gone. His mouth lay open and wide, and it was just big and black, and his eyes were just also dark black, you know. And... He no longer had an erect it was just, instead he was like wrapped in this clear orange plastic looking bag, I guess. I don't know, it was clear and it came up to the top and kind of like you would wrap a gift at the top, it was closed up here and the leftover of the orange bag had come up and shot out and it looked real shimmery from what I could see and he was being rolled through and going to where wherever they were taking him and so i turned at that point back to the room that i had been in and um i guess you can call it laying or waiting um i was just there and exhausted just completely exhausted um, at that point I felt or heard like, to me felt like a helicopter 
of the sound of whirring, whoosh, whoosh, and it was real intense, and it was and I felt myself go up, and could I knew I was leaving, you know, I felt myself um, go up in this feeling and the sound, and so um, at that point, I, um, my experiences kind of jumped around a bit. Um, I went to different places um, in spirit form, I guess, um, uh, and experienced different things. And so the continuation at that point would be that I was laying um, in a room, and it was a dirt floor room, but it was like a home, someone's home. And um, I was being like cared for because again, I was like immobile, I couldn't move. And um, I was waiting, I could feel time pass and kind of like in the room in the hospital where you could feel energy, you know, movement while you're waiting in a room, similar to that. Um, but again, I just, it was all feeling. Um, and so I couldn't like see anyone or no one was talking to me kind of like, and so um, I could feel a changing of, I guess, interaction with where I was at. And there was distribute, distributions of weapons where I was at, like secretly. And I was um, transported, I guess, again, to a different area, a different place, because I can feel myself, again, laying immobile in a different place. Um, I could hear that them talk, these people talk. I couldn't understand what they were saying. It was like different language. Um, but I felt cared for. You know, I was tended to, and I was not afraid. But I remember just feeling laying there in immobile. Um, I had moved again after that, and this time when I could move, I could feel movement, like I was moving myself, I wasn't being transported or being moved, and I was in spirit, like, because the movement was different, it was, um, everything about it was just different, I'll say, and so that's why I call it spirit, and so one instance, I was in an egg and this was after I had been moved and laying still in these other places. And I was in it, looked like, or felt like an egg. It was like a shell of an egg. And it was um, about enough size for me to stand up in and move around. And then on one side, there was a small square window. And then on the other side, there was a small seat that was built into it. And I could sit down. I remember being able to stand up and just move around and I can look just out that window if I looked up and peeked out and I could see I was out in space and it was all blackness and again it was just continuation of time because to me I felt like I was in there for forever I could see the stars way out I knew I was in space but you know space is so big there's nothing out there really you're out nothing and I could feel movement um and hard to explain. Um, I do remember, you know, sitting in there and looking out the window and wondering if I really am going to be in here for forever. A little sad about that. And then I went into another experience where I was in 
an ocean of a raging storm. I was in the middle of this raging storm and there was um, the intensity of the lightning and the thunder and the rain and the wind and the darkness because you're just relying on nature's light. You see things differently. But I did have vision of where I was at and I was up in the sky above the raging ocean and I was immobile. I could not move. I felt pulled out and I was very afraid uh, terrified, um, immobilized even with fear, but I could not move because I did not want to be there. I was so afraid. And just down in the water, I could see a being of man made of this ocean water and the ocean had formed and tight curls of water, you know, created this being, this man. And it was very distinct for me to be able to see him. In fact, I tried to draw him days after I had woken up from the hospital and on the paper, it just looked ridiculous of tiny lines of pencils, just swirls, but I could see him in my mind so well. I'm like, can't you see this ocean water, man? <laughs> People are like, no, but anyway, um, I could make him out and he was just coming up out of the water swimming, doing a, uh, butterfly stroke, which is one where you swim with your arms out and you jump in, go back in with your head first in the water and your arms stay out. Well, I guess your arms come in. But anyway, it's a type of swimming move that he was doing. And he was right in the middle of it where he was just coming out and we had made eye contact from the distance that we were at, which was pretty far and the storm was ongoing. And... Um, he was in the waters swimming and we made eye contact and he looked at me and I could feel just the intensity of just my fear and the power of him and who, what he would, I don't know how to describe it. It was just the best word I can use is powerful. He was extremely powerful. Um, and that was it. There was no other like, Oh, he had intent on me or I was afraid of him. No, I was just in fear of intense great fear um, and the intensity of my surroundings. And so that image really lasted all of just a split second. And after that, I was away from that. I was no longer there, but it stayed with me and impacted me so intently that those few seconds, just like eternity felt like forever and was very impactful in the understanding of what that time felt like. The intensity of the few seconds with this image was also just as great in a different way. And so I changed now to another image where I am in um, spirit form, moving one with the wind very quickly, very free, very uh energetically no worries just completely free and take that word and all that that implies of um traveling just as wind and the setting in this scene was a desert with mountains in the back and a setting sun over the mountains and the sun was creating 
spectacular sunset image of colors. The colors were so movement and blending and the intensity was indescribable. It was just pure joy to be able to see this and experience it. It was just beautiful. And as spirit, I guess I took it for granted because I didn't think anything of it. But when I come back to describe it, it was like, whoa, this was so... It was an experience also of this big place of peace and no fear. And it was joy and, and contentment. And through the desert, on the base of the mountains, I guess the foothills of the mountains, I see an asphalt road coming out through the desert. And I'm intrigued with this road. It comes out pretty far, you know. And, I'm pretty far away and I see a motorcycle on the road and I'm like, oh my God, is there a dog on that? And I zoom in just immediately in my spirit flight. I'm immediately just so close up and just, just feeling the movement and watching this Springer Spaniel I see riding a motorcycle in the road in this desert form. And he's so fast and the wind's blowing the hair through his ears and, you know, he's a beautiful springer. He's got trimmed, you know, he's well-groomed. His ears are long. Um, his tongue's hanging out. He's got sunglasses on. I'm not kidding. His paws are just on this motorcycle. And it's just an image of, again, I'm just split, split second. But it was the image and the feeling of this joy of, you know, it was just so joyous and awesome. Again, the split second I saw and felt this, um, and that was all that I had experience of that, and that was over. But just like the other scenes, it was very, very impactful and always just stayed with me. And um, that was really the only glimpse of, you know, you get God's love like that. It was awesome, it was special. Um, let's see what else. Um, so anyway, I was, had these crazy images and I woke up from the hospital and, um, I had this, uh, put my hand in the back and I could feel where I was bitten in this fight with this demon and it was dried blood. I had a necklace on me when I had been stabbed and I also felt this dried blood and I could peel pieces of my necklace off and it just disintegrated around me. I had been washed at that point. I remember being washed by the nurses. I remember uh, brushing my teeth, wash, you know, cleaning me. And um, I was moved, I believe. I think I was in ICU or something. Um, I had been seen by a doctor, the one who I guess did the surgery because he looked familiar to me. And the rooms were different in ICU. They were like sliding glass doors, and you can kind of see out. And when I had woken up, there was a clock on the room. I could just remember watching this clock. There's really nothing to do. And the clock never changed. It was always five to one, always five to one. And it was so annoying to me to always be in this time frame in the ICU. And the doctor had come in, and I remember the students had come in. And I asked the doctor, um, are you the one who did this to me? And well, you know, fix me with a surgery. The, they had exploratory surgery, and he said yes. And um, I said, thank you for saving my life. 
And he's just like, yeah, you know, well, the students had come in and take these tubes out of me and everywhere I was bleeding and they didn't really know how to do it and it hurt a lot. Anyway, he had helped them and it was just, I was overwhelmed with gratitude. And um, I had gotten moved to the fourth floor of the hospital. And I remember in the wheelchair being pushed through the hospital, the pictures on the wall, seeing all the nurses. And I remember some of these nurses that had tended to me when I was in a coma and I remember fighting with them. Um, and I felt bad that I had done that. And I had been moved up now to the fourth floor of the hospital. And it was my first night and I had a roommate. And this roommate had underwent, I guess, emergency gallbladder surgery. And her girlfriend had stayed with her all night on the bed. And all night they slept. And no nurse had come in all night to check on me at all. I remember I had gotten up myself and to go to the bathroom. And I had gone in and was able to go in and go to the bathroom. And the door had shut on my area on my back where I had been stabbed and it hurt so much. But anyway, I, I, I jump ahead. I do want to note when I had woken up, I had two spirits with me. Uh, this was before they had moved me to the fourth floor. One spirit was a small white dog. And this dog was on the bed with me. And this dog had little fleas on its nose. And I remember that seeing these fleas jump around. My friend was in the room. And I told her I have to give this dog a bath. And I was so tired. Just talking was hard. But she laughed it off and said, you know, Alicia, yeah, I'm... she thought it was funny. The other spirit that was with me was a big man in a big black trench coat and a big black cowboy hat. And he had sat on a chair next to me in this room, just sitting there with me. And my mom was at that point in the room with me and she was turning off the TV in the room to the hospital. And she said, Alicia, do you want me to turn TV off? I said, I don't mind, but you need to ask this guy. He's watching it. She said, Alicia, no one's there. And I said, yeah, there's, he's watching TV. Do not turn off this TV until you ask him. It's rude. He's watching TV. And she, we're argu I'm arguing with her, and she turns to this invisible chair and says, sir, can I turn off the TV? <laughs> and I, yeah, he says, you turn off. Those two spirits are with me. And um, anyway, I also had a number seven carved into the palm of my hand. And my brother at this point was with me and um, I showed him my seven and it had a, it was very straight lines. It had a line through the middle of it. And my mom said it was a German seven. That's how Germans made their sevens. And my brother said, well, that's a sign from God. Uh, seven is God's number or something like that. And he was a Christian and um, I, I had not, um, you know, gone to church or anything like that at that point in my life. So I didn't understand what the God, you know, Christian was, but I said, oh, okay, wow, you know, was, um, I had woken up from all these other images that I saw and experienced. So for my brother to say that was God, it, it kind of made me feel a little calmer. But for three days after I had woken and found the seven on my palm, all the skin on my hands shed. I could peel them. I could rub my hands together. I just have dry skin peeling off of my palms for three days. And each day and time that went by to the end of the third day, the seven had faded and was gone. Usually 
I don't know if that's how wounds heal. I've never experienced shedding on my palms again since, especially for three days' time. And the seven had been gone by the end of that third day, and there were three raised lines replaced on my palms. So it was disbelieving for a lot of people to hear and see that, but to me it was very impactful, such as the images that I saw on my NDE. Um, I also had continued crazy kind of experiences um, in the fourth floor room that they had moved me up to. Um, so I had my roommate with her girlfriend sleeping on the bed and I had gone up and gotten to the bathroom and the door had poked me in the back where I had staples, you know, where my wound was. My wound was pretty big um, and it hurt, but it didn't bring me to the floor. I was able to get back all the way to the bed. And again, just, I was alone. There was no one ever in there. And I laid in bed and the night was just forever. I could smell smoke. And I got up again and walked with my IV, you know, line to the end of the room where there was uh, closet doors, you know, and they're easy to open. All you had to do was open a door and inside you'd find a closet, but I could feel heat through them and could smell smoke and I was very alarmed. I walked to the door wondering if I should tell someone or if I was just, you know, hallucinating, but I felt very worried about it. And I look out the door to the hospital of my room and there's no one there. There's no lights on. Um, my roommate is sleeping with her girlfriend in the bed. I turn back to go walk to my bed and I'm laying in bed wondering why the lights are off and why there's no one there and no one's checking on me. And I get up again at one point and mind you, getting up and doing all this is exhausting. And even walking to the bathroom, I don't know how long that took. And walking to the door and back, I don't know how long that took. So this time I went up and walked to the window, which was the left of the room. And I open the curtain or look out the window and I it's all black and the scene was not what you would see out of the hospital or you wouldn't see I saw a city but it wasn't the city where I was at and it was all dark there were still the skyscrapers I guess those tall buildings and there was open areas and an open area of these buildings was just the water had rushed in there was a navy ship down there and I saw these white shooting uh, lights going through the sky. And I had no idea what those were. And there was, um, I looked way down and I saw men in like uniforms, all black and helmets and weapons. There was a war going on outside and I could see this massive war and I was terrified. And I wondered, when is someone going to come get me? Why am I being left up here? We're being under attack. And um, it was very real. I could see out this image. I, there's no one in the hospital. It's like vacated. And I go back to my bed and I'm just, well, I guess I'm going to have to wait here to be taken or wherever is what's going to happen to me. I could barely even move. I was so exhausted. And I'm waiting in my bed, and I had, at some point, I had taken, I guess, form of spirit. Be, I was out in this image, 
and I was in a spirit form because I was up in the sky and I was overlooking a building and there was family praying to me to take their child, a little girl, and I couldn't take her because I was spirit and I wasn't really there. And she had fallen all the way down. I remember looking at her and seeing her fall. Hi. Um, and it was really sad, but as a spirit, I felt love and concern, but there was nothing I can do. So these images were really impactful for me. Um, being in the bed in the hospital, I did hallucinate a lot with the drugs and go in and out of a lot of consciousness. I had another experience that was very impactful to me um, where I was in a desert and I was, I guess, in a tavern where you can feel like the desert walls were up real tall. I just don't know what word to use to describe them. And we we're walking through this path in this desert and um, I was following people and there was a snake. I could feel a snake around, and so I'm grabbing the snake, and I wake up. I'm in the hospital bed, you know, from hallucination. But the snake was so, the symbolism of it, because when I realized I called for help for the nurse to come help me, because I had a snake in my bed <laughs> from this image that I woke up from, and he comes out, and he gets his gloves on, and he's masked up, you know, and he, um, grabs my snake and it's my IV line and I just grab his arm and I laugh and it's hilarious and he thinks I'm just out of my mind which it probably was and it might have been a hallucination um, but it was very impactful uh, to be able to laugh um, and coming out of something like that with those images and my NDE um, and the continuation of it um, it was really hard um, so uh, but that, that's the extent of my NDE. Um, I guess I couldn't really add to that so much, but that's the end of that. Well, thank you for sharing your NDE with us, Alicia. During your NDE part, do you feel like it is or it was as real as you and I talking right now? Uh, no, it was different because, like, I would say... I I was more impacted by the images of the NDE than I'll probably have a hard time remembering our conversation tomorrow, honestly. Um, you know, but the feeling of it, it was very different. It wasn't a normal experience or like a dream that you would have in a bed. It was different. So you're saying that it was more real than our reality here? Yeah, it was so impactful like it was all i could even see or think about and anything that happened to me in my life i was always trying to place it to my nde i mean i, I had so many other visions you know um one of them i was actually saved at the very end when i remember ultimate wake up um i don't know it's just experiences but um coming back it was it took a lot to come back i kept coming back and going again but those little things that I kept remembering was always um, highest, you know, they came in most important, I guess. That was most, it was always first and foremost. 
I don't know how to explain it. How do you think you changed after your NDE? Oh, after my NDE, how did I change? Um, I don't, I don't know if I really changed. Um, I was, I was added to the experience of the NDE, like kind of adding insult to injury of being stabbed. Um, picking my life up after that was really difficult and the NDE impaction made it 10 times more difficult, you know, because I had to maneuver in society and life and the day-to-day grind. And so that was very hard for me to look at, but inside I felt the same. I felt who I was, where, who I was regarding with society was very impacted because I could not like reintegrate, I guess. I could not really communicate very well with others. Um, So I felt the same, but I felt like everything around me was very, um, I was always in transition, always very fluid. if I did say things to someone, it was very impactful, and I hated having that kind of impact on people, so I became very quiet. Um, but spiritually, my growth is just always, like, I'm still growing now, and my ND was almost, I mean, it was 2002, so it was a long time ago, and I'm still learning from it, still trying to reintegrate, um, I guess is how I would describe it, and um finding that love because i know that love is the answer and it really is even though in mine you didn't see much of it but that really is what i'm integrate integrating to is to be a better person even though i'm not like a bad person you know it's it's a little complicated have you changed spiritually or have you become religious since your nde i don't think so because god or my God, you know, because I know a lot of people call God different things. And I'm very aware of the power of words and how we apply our actions in life. But like, he was always with me. Even as a child, my whole life, he was always right there with me. So my spiritual change really is my relationship that I have with him. I'm not so angry at him anymore for being left here. I felt very angry that I had to come back. I don't want to come back at all. I hated Coming back, I hated having to reintegrate and communicate to other people. Um, I didn't want to work on myself. Um, I didn't want to give myself that good love um, that we need to give ourselves. Um, So he, spiritually, my walk isn't with God, really. It's so much with other people where I have to work on coexisting. Um, Because I don't, you know, it's hard for me. And so that's where I'm working. But yes, I am still working and always going to keep working. I I call it my spiritual gym, where I'm always just, man, I have some bad days, but you just got to get back in there and um, toughen up and get better and get stronger and um, work out. You know, it's a continuation of repetition. It's just your being. Who do you want to be? So I'm always working on who I want to be. Sometimes one of the church helps with that. Um, Right now, not so much. But I'd like to get back into it because that's that's a gym, you know, quality of spiritual growth. Have the memory of these experiences during your NDEs faded over time or are they still yes. with you today mm-hmm. as they were when it happened? No, but 
I would say the fading process took a long time, a very long time, um, at least over 10 years. Uh, the impact of NDE was so strong, I couldn't, I couldn't even make a decision without seeing if it related to anything that I saw, which, you know, that's just not really how moving forward goes. Um, I lost a lot of train of thought, but at the same time, I was getting to know myself um you know everybody falls down and some falls are uglier than others and it's our jobs to pick ourselves back up so for me that did not take six months a year it took my lifetime to learn how to keep picking myself back up and and learning um how i want to be um who i want to be um and not just taking a back seat to what maybe others would want me to be. Since it's been almost 20 years, do you have any new insights or conclusions about this? About what I experienced? Yes. Um, yeah. Like for me, my story about the fear I experienced, the peace I experienced, the fight I experienced, and um, I'm really big with on earth as it is in heaven, you know, um, did... I go to hell because I'm a bad person. So I always thought, you know, am I a bad person? The doctor, I didn't finish this part of the story. The doctor told me to be good. He's going to bring me back, but I have to be good. And um, so I was always thinking, oh my gosh, you know, when I die, am I going to go to hell? Do I have to be good if I don't? Am I going to go to hell? I don't want to go to hell. Or was that hell my creation? Was that myself I was fighting? Was I fighting my own demons? But don't we do that in Earth? We fight our own demons. We create our own hells. Uh, we we pick our battles. Uh, we go on vacation to paradise when it's time to go on vacation. You know, the it's all still the same thing. So instead of fighting with myself, let's pick uh, love in myself. Let's pick the joy. Let's pick contentment. Um, so it's our choices. And so when I die, am I going to go back to hell? Well, am I going to choose to go to hell? Or am I going to choose to go on vacation? Am I going to choose? What, what am I going to um, do? So in my life, how my spirit NDE, what you want to call it, impacts my life, which impacts your life, because, you know, we're all bumping off each other and everything, you know, um, Anyway, so the way I see things now, because my integration is different, and it's been almost 20 years, so I, um, I still see a lot of suffering. Um, I see a lot of people making choices where uh, they're still wanting to learn, or they want distortion or chaos, and I believe peace comes from chaos, too. Uh, we don't learn how to be good. We don't learn how to better ourselves or we don't learn from our mistakes if we don't get up and try if we don't get outside our protective four walls that we spend all our lives building you know we want to protect ourselves we want a great home we want fences um but what about us what about our souls what about where are we going to go when it's you know when our time here is over and we can no longer have those four walls anymore and that entire lifetime it took us to make this where are we going to go when that's over? Um, so that's the path I took. I wanted to learn about myself and not so much about what I was gaining material, 
materialistically on earth, I guess. Um, but now I understand there is a fine line. You do have to build yourself up. You do have to create a home and you do have to work with society and um, you do have to pick your battles because everything does reflect um, the work that we put out here, even though there's a lot of fear in it and there's a lot of possibilities of it not working out, you know, worry and um so yeah we have to build ourselves up and sometimes that can be dangerous uh we have to decide where we're going to go we have to think and reflect i mean my nd was just a big huge biography i guess of my soul journey which is no different we're all on the same journey you know we're all in this together um so the reflection of it can we all can reflect on that and apply it to our lives that we just have to get up and keep working and keep trying and we just even when we die really we're not going to stop in movement and motion and thought in creation we can stop creating what we have here because we're not going to be here anymore well when i go i want to know what did i do here um was it the best i could do what else could i have done what did I keep ignoring or what was I turned away from based off of fear? Um, really, you got to ask yourself questions. You got to keep growing. So that's what I would take away from the NDE, um, which is a very simple story that you can, you can take that away from anywhere, really. <laughs> you don't have to die to, do any, to learn that. Well, after watching this video, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions or connect with you. Are you open oh. to that? And if so, how can they reach you? Oh, gosh. I'm really totally open with that. Um, I'm not going to promise anything to anyone, but I feel if someone would like to reach out and say anything to me, to leave a comment um, where they saw this, and I'll try to keep up and respond to comments as I can. Well, before we finish, can you leave us with one last positive message? I don't know. My my biggest thing that I have to tell myself through hard times, because everyone's got their own storm, and a lot of us are frozen in fear and don't realize our full potential because we're so powerful. And just even just changing our minds can create just, I mean, really, what if we are in the demon world still and we're still fighting our demons even? Where are you in life? Are you in the desert and joy and all? You're just so in love and so joyous and that's great and that's awesome. Uh, peace derives from chaos, uh, a saying that I have learned to tell myself during hard times in my walk um, and taking joy and a bird flying over you on the on the worst day of your life, I'm still going to choose to take that bird flying over me that was beautiful and inspired me and made me feel great over that dark storm. I would rather focus on one small thing and just being a witness to seeing a bird fly over you is enough to change um, your yourself in a dark storm. And if you can change yourself in a dark storm, and you can keep going because that's what we do. Even after death, we just keep going. So you got to move through it and you got to keep going. You got to work at it and you'll have your own story. You'll be able to move through, find more stories 
to to experience. Do you have anything that you want to promote? Like, do you have a website or anything? I have a horrible website. Um, I'm a house call pet groomer. So shout out to dog groomers. I love my dog groomers now. Um, I'm independent. So anyway, we're a tough group out there. Um, I'm at looktwicepetgrooming.com. So anyone out there has a special needs dog, cat that you can't handle, that's too old or frail, that you would like a holistic approach or touch to, that can really understand and put healing hands on your loved um, soul partner. I mean, they're an extension. Our pets are an extension of our, our souls. And everything happens for a reason. And what we do creates. So if you would like to give back to your loved one who helps you in your daily walk in life, I'm the groomer for you because I work holistically on all kinds of uh, dogs and cats of all stages, all kinds, all ages, socialized or not, I can help them and make them look great and feel great. That's what I do. That's how, that's my second chance. That's what I do. That's my walk and it's trying to give back and be good and just um, keep going even through our storms. So thank you so much. I mean, um, I hope I inspired somebody out there to keep going and change their mind and that they can have a different approach and a different look, even after fighting our demons, that there's still um, a beautiful sunset for us one day. What city are you in? Hey, if anyone wants to play, pay for the plane ticket, I'm there. Um, it's just another expense to me. But or bring your dogs here. I'm in Roswell, New Mexico. It's a great tourist place. I love this small little town. Um, the alien theme is awesome. Uh, so yeah, that's where I'm at. Anyone on vacation, bring your dogs. We could do a whole nother podcast just on Roswell. (laughs) I've been there like several times. So it's a, it's a, it's it's a fun, I mean, I mostly just do the alien stuff downtown, but I was amazed that when I was there one time, there was a map on the wall and you could put a pin in where you're from in the map and it was a map of the world and the lady said she just took all the pins out and it had only been a week and in, and in one week there were pins from all over the world yes it's i love this little town i've been a regular visitor since i was a kid you know i've got family here um and to me it feels like it's the roots of my foundational to my growth like this community here has helped me out every step of the way and I've needed a lot of uh, help on my steps and my my growth and this town is so little it's big (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, anyway COVID came there's been a lot of uh, construction Uh, Main streets just beautiful and growing and um, the town's growing and I'm real proud of being able to call it home and stay in here and share my story. Um, it fits. So I had to do it. And thanks for having me on your show. All right. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. We really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Have a great weekend. All right. right, See you out there. Mm, Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.